I don't think we realize, Lord, how impactful, Lord, this Christmas season and what you did during the time, what we're celebrating, Lord, how incredible it is. Lord, that the world can um, take anything to compare to it um, and to set it aside, the, your incarnation and your life here of sinlessness and your death and resurrection, which brings eternal life and relationship with you, Lord, that we or the world could put it aside is just astounding, realizing how incredible it is. And um, I pray that we'd be able to embrace it as a, as a church, how in, um, life-changing it can be and how true it is, Lord. So just, just touch us and open up your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've told you before that I love Christmas. And you know how you analyze, do you guys analyze your own faith, like what your own faith is? Do you do that in your own head? I, I do that too. And, and I think to myself um, how much I believe, believe this. Everything, and of course I'm a pastor, I should probably just say that I totally believe it because of that. But the truth is, I like absolutely totally believe it all. Like, I really do. Like, absolutely. Like, in my mind, there's no doubt. Um, there's no doubt to me that God created everything in six days. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. He could have done it in one minute. And there's so many explanations of time and, you know, universe expansion that our, our scientists are, 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 um, can't even... Uh, fathom, and I've seen so many equations of, to see, that fit a young earth. Um, I believe God did it in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. I believe that there was a miraculous birth, and that, that Jesus wasn't just some boy who just kind of did a good job like a good religious fellow. Uh, I, just, I believe he was God incarnate, like it was God visiting the earth. And I believe that that is the only way that we could possibly be redeemed at all as a, as a human species. Because let's say God sent a rabbit down. The rabbit, first of all, wouldn't be a compensation for us because it's a rabbit. Rabbits don't pay for humans. It certainly wouldn't have satisfied the law because the law, we, everyone recognizes right and wrong. Has anyone ever done wrong? Raise your hand. Duh. Why? If there's no God, there is no right and wrong, right? If there's no God, there's no right and wrong. There's just chemicals in motion. There's just th things are just happening. We're just in a universe that's just happening. There is no right and wrong. I punch you in the face, you go, it's wrong, and I go, it's right. You go, but it's wrong and hurt. I go, but it felt good to me, right? <clears throat> there's no right and there's no wrong. But you, you shouldn't do that. Well, says Who? Well, the universe, I didn't hear it. Like, what would, what, would, what would tell us? Would enzymes tell us? Would electrons tell us? Would protons tell us? Would, would some electromagnetic field tell us what's right or wrong? Would some explosion somehow at some starting point tell us if there was? I don't believe there was a random explosion that made us. How, I'm sorry how incredibly crazy when does an explosion ever create anything with order in it? 
How many ever played with firecrackers? What did you get? Did any of you guys get a universe or you just didn't have enough of them? I, I literally, I read the scientist guy where he's going, I'm trying to make a universe. I'm going, uh-huh. you're going to die an idiot. That's what I thought to myself. I go, you're going to die an idiot or are you going to find Christ? Because at the end, you'll realize that you are not God. And, and people can't realize when they go through the Bible, it's, it, the, the, there's a couple lies in the Bible that summarize all the lies that you think God is wrong and that you think you might be God. Anyone here think they're God? How many run their own lives? That's called being God in your own life. And the only way, how many want redemption for your personal life? Come on, you want redemption. Listen, if the Christmas message is true, and it's absolutely true, then Christmas time isn't about going to Walmart. Right? What? Yeah, that's a nightmare. (laughs) But how many still find yourself driving down the street, you can't find what you need, and you go, all right, we're going to Walmart. (laughs) Come on, how many has done that? Isn't that that the way it works? You just go, all right, we're going to Walmart. And then when you're in Walmart, you go, there is a hell. (laughs) It does exist. I'm just kidding. Not the employees. They're incredible. They have to put up with that, right? I mean, because you know you're going to find something there because I think our whole world is going to conformity, right? How many have Netflix? Raise your hand. See, they tell us what to watch. There's this many movies out there, but they say you can only watch these. These are the ones that you'll watch. And it's like, there are millions of shirts and clothes out there. How many get their clothes at Walmart? (laughs) You're afraid to admit it. (laughs) How many buy your spouse something at Walmart related to clothes? Raise your hand. How many buy your kids clothes at Walmart? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, my sermon today is called Walmart. The unopened gift. Listen, I I do have a title for the sermon, and and I I think it's really profound. It could, if you're not a believer, you've never believed in the real Christmas, what I mean that Jesus actually came, and that he he lived here, and that he lived sinless, different than you, different than me, he lived sinless, thus not deserving any consequences, and living not only living sinless, but obeying everything that God would have him to do. So satisfying the requirements of the law. And that as he lived here, he also fulfilled thousands of prophecies that were written about him over a long period of time. Thousands, over 4,000. 400 real specific ones. And then because of that, he could have just gone to be with the Father. But instead of doing that, he was sent there on a mission. And that was... He instead took the consequences of the law, which is he who disobeys the law will be cursed on a tree. And I know we got a Christmas tree and we got gifts underneath it, but I'm telling you that there's a different tree 
It's called the cross. And under that cross, there is also a gift. And, you know, in our house, we have presents. And we put under our tree gifts. And then we put names on them. This is for, this is for Caleb or this is for Jody. I'm telling you that your name's under there too. Your name's under that cross. The law was put into Christ's body and it was crucified and it no longer accuses us. It's a good thing. It's a Christmas. Don't you want to open it up? Imagine the most killer gift you could possibly have and it's under the tree. It's a free gift. You didn't buy it. Wouldn't it be terrible if you got a gift and it says, you open it up, you see this killer thing you've always wanted, and it says, you just have to make 36 payments of $39.95 for the next three years, right? You go, thank you. That's what religion is. But Christianity's different. God's already made all the payments, and the gift is free, and you get to open it up. So can I tell you, Merry Christmas. That's the Christmas message. Merry Christmas. It's a very good. So let's open your gift. And I just want to look at two, two things, really. And I'll close with a third. But two things, and the first one, super easy, is who is Jesus and, and why did he come? Why did he appear? There's all kinds of scriptures in the Bible that it says he was sent into this world to do this. He appeared to do this. He came into the world to accomplish this. Like what was his goal? And let's start off with who he is. And this comes from a messianic scripture written seven, eight hundred years before he came. This scripture was written and it says the virgin will conceive. Now, how many know that that is not possible? Right? There's no virgin here that has ever conceived. Okay? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him what? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And, and I think that is incredible. It's not as incredible as what I have right now, and that's God in us. Amen? And it's not as incredible as what the church now is, which is God through us. Amen? But God with us is the good beginning. He comes. And when he's there and they see him, and they go, look, there's Jesus, God with us. They're still not transformed on the inside out because the payment still has to be made. Isn't that true? Right? So they're watching them in the normal, seeing what he's doing, but he's saying, I'm about to do something that's going to fulfill everything that's been written about me. And even after he does it, he tells them, this is what was written about me. I'll show you a few scriptures. So who is Jesus? And then let's look at it. What is the mission of Jesus? Let's hear a few people. Let's hear. Just tell me, what is the mission of Jesus? Just say it in a couple words. What is the mission of Jesus as you know it? To save sinners. What else? To destroy the enemy. That's, that's a good one. How does he destroy the enemy? Because you think about it, if he destroys the enemy, you could say, you know, he took out some spiritual machine guns and, and, and you know, just went after him, Right? But what is the thing that destroys the enemy? Can everyone say the cross? 
Because when you, when you take away the consequences of our sin, how can the enemy attack us with any accusation? Right? It, it makes him weaponless. He goes, well, you did that. And you go, huh. Yeah, but you were thinking this. Huh, that's right. But, huh. Amen? That is your defense. I mean, the cross, I, I'm probably the most boring preacher because I always preach about the cross. <laughs> Don't I? What's the message about today? Well, it's about the cross again. Wow, in a different way. I want my marriage. I want it better. Now the cross, buddy. The cross is what's going to make your marriage better. Did you know that? Amen. Listen, why did Jesus come into the world? This is the question. And I'm, I'm just going to start going through a few of them. The first one is his mission is to bring us to God. Amen. Not just near him because God is with us in Jesus, but he wants a deeper fellowship that lasts longer. How long does he want it to last, our relationship? Forever, right? So this is the deepest thing. So he says, the reason, he says, first of all, I came into the world to testify to the truth. And what is the truth? He clarifies it in several ways, but he says, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the only way. And, and so there's no way to get to God except through the work of Jesus and what he's done. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Imagine the one, all things were created by him and for him and through him. That means when you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at the source of life. You're not looking at like Nostradamus, Jesus, Muhammad. Look at all these great leaders. No, Jesus is claiming to be the fountain of creation. All creation comes through him. Everything that's been made has been made by him. Is that a trip? Right? Because that's why I don't like all the, the surfer Jesus pictures, because you just can't picture a surfer doing that. Right? Can you? <laughs> what? Yeah, the vegan hippie Jesus. Right? He's just kind of sitting there, and, and then you go, man, it's Jesus. What'd you do? Created everything. But the child was born, and he came and lived in amongst us. But before that, he was the eternal son of God. Okay? Now, here's another thing that he came to do, which I think is misunderstood a lot. This one's probably most misunderstood scripture in the Bible. Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And I think that some people look at this and they go, see, he fulfilled the law. So now we have to fulfill the law with him. But do you understand when the law is fulfilled, what is it? It's done. It's finished. It's fulfilled. All the requirements of the law have been what? Fulfilled. Is there any part of the law that Jesus didn't fulfill? Think about it. Because this will change your Christianity. It really will. You may think I'm on a, just on a, you know, reading random, but I'm not. If all the requirements of the law of what to do right and wrong were fulfilled in Jesus, then what work can we do to fulfill more law? 
can you do anything to, like, when you, let's say you do a really good deed, and then all of a sudden, the father looks down, and he says, well, now the law is fulfilled. Now that Eric went to church, you know, he was such a good boy, the fulfillment of the law happened. How many know that that's ridiculous? How many know that there's nothing you can do to fulfill the law? Right? And this is why religions around the world today will be meeting to try to find laws that they can fulfill to make God happy. Jesus has already satisfied every one of those. How many say amen? So that's why Jesus says, don't take any stroke of the law. Don't take anything away until I do it all. Don't, don't take any of it away. Wait till I finish it and complete it. And when he finishes it, what does he say? It is what? It is finished. So Jesus came to fulfill all the requirements of the law. Do I hear amen? So he came to fulfill all things. Okay? So this is another thing that he fulfilled, one of the all things. He fulfilled all the prophets, all the things that were said about him. Do you know that all the promises of God and all the prophetic words, the promises are now all yes. God makes, Jesus makes all the promises yes. Everyone say yes. Everything is yes and amen. And this is when, right when he resurrects, when he finishes the job, he resurrects and he comes to the disciples who are like, well, what's going on now? And he says, this is what I told you when I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled what is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Everything must be fulfilled. Was it fulfilled? How many say amen? Okay, I I want you to see how profound Christmas is. Jesus fulfills every law, every psalm, every prophet is all fulfilled in Jesus. When you read a psalm and you go, I wonder what this is about. It's about Jesus. And because it's about Jesus and because you're now in Jesus, it's about you. How many say amen? How many like Christmas? Okay, now, if you wonder with the law and its rules and its regulations, all those things, where the law and its rules and its regulations went, well, when the curse came upon Jesus, it says all the curse of that law came upon him when he took the cross. Here you see it in the scripture. He says, he forgave us all our sins, having, say the word with me, canceled. He can't say it one more time. Come on, wake up. Canceled. He canceled what? The written what? The written code with its regulations that was against us. How was it against us? Because it said, don't do this, something stupid, and you did. Amen? How many done something stupid? Okay. And it says, and that stood opposed to us. What did he do with it? He took it away. And where did he put it? He nailed it to the cross. Do I hear an amen? Amen. This is so amazing. If you really, really get this, you'll stop trying to fulfill the law in your goody two-shoes for God. You know why you'll do good? Because you now can, because you're under the law of the Spirit. How many say amen? Amen. And so you won't be condemned. You're no longer under judgment. 
because the judgment and the requirements of the law have been fulfilled. I feel sorry for the churches that are right now preaching about the laws and they're finishing their sermons like this. Okay, now you have to do this to make sure you're good for God this week. You are good for God this week. You are good with God. How many know you're good with God right now? Okay. This is because of what Jesus has accomplished. He took it away. He took the written code with its rules and regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away and he nailed it to the cross. Really? He took the law and he went to the cross and he nailed it to the cross. Is that what he did? No, because the law and all the things that are opposed to it, the cursedness of it was in him. Amen? And he was nailed to the cross. He took it away by embodying its consequence and nailing it to the cross. Do you understand that we are free? This is Merry Christmas. It doesn't get any better than this. There's no more incredible concept to be thought about than this. And listen, he came to serve us. The Son of Man did not come to be served. What do you want to do with your life? I want to serve God. Well, too bad he didn't come to be served. (laughs) Do you know that the message is not about you becoming a great servant? And you will become a great servant. But that's not what it's about. It's about recognizing that he came to serve you with this. That's why he appeared. He came to serve, to give his life as a ransom, as an exchange for you. It's an atonement. How many say amen? The mission of Jesus, like I was said before, to save sinners, this is a different way of saying it, to take away our sins. That takes away our sins. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. Listen how Hebrew says it. And let, let me read it the wrong way. Now he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to do away with sin by telling everyone to repent and stop sinning. Is that the way? How did he do it? How did he take away the sins? How did, because they're not counted against us anymore. Because he took away the law and the rules and the written code and the regulations and he nailed it to the cross. Let me read it again. Now he has appeared. Everyone say baby Jesus. One more time. Now he has appeared. Say baby Jesus. Baby. Now he's appeared for all, at, for once. He appeared once for who? For all at the end of the age to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's what he did because he came to serve. And that's why this beautiful Christmas message, here is the heart of the Christian message, Christmas message. It says, because the mission of Jesus to save his people, she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, which is Yahweh saves. And it says, because he will save his people from their sins. He will rescue them. How? 
by paying all the requirements of the sin, of the law, which the law is the one that tells us what sin is. Don't do this. Thou shalt not do that. It tells you. And the Bible even says, well, why was the law even made if it did all this? You know, is the law bad? And Paul says, no, the law's not bad. But what the law did is it aroused the sin to want to sin. The minute it said, don't do this, what did you want to do? You wanted to do it. And he, and he says, well, why did the law come? And he says, the law was put into effect, it says in the Galatians, so to keep the Israelites alive. Because if they wouldn't have had the law to tell them right and wrong, they would have sinned and killed each other and the seed of Jesus never would have come. Listen, how many know that when you're told not to do something, it's the very thing you want to do? By the way, I don't want you to look at this while I'm talking. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of good things. This is evil. This represents all the evil you shouldn't look at. Okay? And there's a lot. You know what I'm saying? And I know people live like that. Don't look at this. Don't look at this. Don't look at this. What? What are you talking about? I said, don't look at this. Oh! Just look. Fix your eyes on Jesus who's the author and perfecter of your faith. How many say amen? amen. By the way, is, will he save his people from their sins? I, you have to, I, I hear people read, it's important that we read the Bible and everything it says. Okay, I'll read it. He will save his people from their sins. So what's he going to do? He will save his people from their sins. What about the Greek? Oh, you translate it to English. It's, he will save his people from their sins. What's Jesus going to do? He will save people from their sins. Amen? Okay. The mission of Jesus is to save the world. Amen? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Wouldn't that have been awful if that was the, if that was the mission of Jesus? Condemn the world? Let's pretend I was Jesus and I came to condemn the world. I just have to follow you on Facebook for a few days, right? Or, or follow you at home. And then the minute you sinned, I went, yeah. Then I play you back the video and you go, oh, and you go, condemnation. You blew it. Bye. Got to admit, you deserved it. Why does he go out of his way to say he did not come to condemn the world? Because the world, the Bible says, stands condemned already. Don't you realize that? Don't you recognize the sin that we've had our whole lives would condemn us? But now that Jesus has come... And it's all been nailed to the cross, the law, its rules, its regulation, the curse of the sin, every law and prophet and everything fulfilled, all promises. And then he proves it on Easter by raising from the dead and showing that sin and death is gone. It's no longer. Anyone who believes in me will never die. You're just going to, you're going to translate, but you will not die. You will leave this place. 
and you will be with God forever. Okay, the mission of Jesus. How many are getting something out of this? Hopefully you're getting something out of this. I hope so. Um, The mission of Jesus is to save the sinners. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Amen? Would you, I I think I have, I've realized, and, and this probably, there's a lot of disadvantages from being raised as a pagan. And one of them is you get exposed to every kind of evil. And so when you see evil, you know exactly what it's like. And you've been through it and you've lived it for years. So you go, yep, I know that. But I I, I watch, so the disadvantage is you have a tainted heart and brain that needs rebirth and revamping and washing and it needs all kinds of stuff so that you can think clearly. I think sometimes people that are raised with kind of being sort of good is that they can't always see that they're the lost ones too. And so Jesus sets apart the lost ones that are really lost, you know, to, to highlight them. And he does it in a couple conversations. And, and I love Paul, the apostle, because he gets it. Because you go through the tense of this, it's present tense. He says, here is a trustworthy saying. Can everyone say trustworthy? This is a saying that you can count on. That's in the Bible. Huh, I wonder what it says. It's a trustworthy saying. Maybe I ought to say it. Hey, and it deserves full acceptance. Turn to someone and say, you should accept this. Okay, Paul, we're ready. Give it to us. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Okay, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul, for that. We really appreciate that. Do you understand that you will never want or need a savior until you recognize the wickedness from which you came. See, I, th- I think that the world thinks that what we want to do is we want to show them that they're sinners because we're righteous. And some churches do that so ignorantly. You know, it's like, we're this. We stand for marriage. And your marriage is mediocre at best anyway. But you're all bragging about it. And anything good in your marriage anyway as a Christian is because of God. Amen. How many know your marriage would have tore apart 10,000 times if it had not been for God? Just admit it, right? Raise your hand. Come on. Just say, my marriage would be terrible if it were not for God. So then you go to the world and you go, see, we're the marriage, yes, and you're the marriage, no, we're it. And that, you know, and then they, they go, well, you know, they, they want to show you that you are also bad. So why don't you just show them the truth at the beginning, right? Just say, I'm a total wicked sinner and needed the Lord, right? And some people go, I'm a, I'm a, I was a wicked sinner and I needed the Lord, but now I'm as pure as a driven snow and the wife's going. <laughs> Come on. Listen, I am a thousand times more pure than I was when I came to Christ. A thousand times, a million times. But I am still shocked by my wickedness. Seriously, I, I look at it and I go, oh my gosh. 
And, you know, you go through the stages, right? Denial, then the second one, denial, and then the third one, denial. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then you go through the fourth one, which helps you with the first three, and that's called blaming others. It works fantastic. <laughs> you just say, honey, it's not me. It's, it's you. Or it's the kids. But it's not me. Maybe it's the neighbor. Let's, let's pick on the neighbor. Get the binoculars. I think they've got problems. But I love the Apostle Paul. He writes the New Testament. And while he's writing it, he's in prison this whole long time. And he's writing, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. And I wonder because he writes Romans 7 where he says, why do I do the things I do not want to do? Every time I see the good, no, not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. And he cha- why does he change? The theologians have looked at it and says, why does he always change to present tense when he talks about those things? It's not because he necessarily, because I think that this is a heartbeat that every Christian should have. You should think to yourself, I am the worst. You know, they have this television show called The Office. And I'm a huge Office fan. And, and the thing, they, there's a character in there, Michael Scott, who's like the epitome of doing everything wrong. And they say, if you think you're not Michael Scott, then you are. <laughs> and I think this is true here. And, and I, I, want, I want to give the analogy that Jesus used. He uses like a dozen analogies with this. But I want you to see this. This woman comes up to Jesus who is clearly a prostitute. And she's clearly lived her whole life wrong. And she is kind of living out the psalm that says, I, I pour oil on his head, the anointed one. And she starts pouring oil on his feet. She starts rubbing it with her hair. And then she starts kissing his feet, Jesus. And this Pharisee is looking at it and he cannot believe it. And, and I, in a lot of ways, just recognize with this girl. I, I identify with her because that's definitely a path I was on. And I, I look at this, and, and he is kind of like indignant, like, come on, Jesus. If you were Jesus, if you were so holy and a prophet man of God, and I don't know if you're the son of God or you're the man of God or you're the prophet of God, you're something from God. And if you really were then you'd see this, so I can pretty much rule you out. You'd see this, and you wouldn't let her touch you. How dare you let this prostitute touch you? Just, he's thinking from his own head, because he would react a different way if she was touching him, wouldn't she? Wouldn't he? Right? He'd be responding probably from the flesh, and Jesus isn't. And he says this, he says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other, 50. So there's a big difference there. It's like one month rent versus a, a year's worth of rent. <sighs> neither of them had the money. So they both owed a big debt, but neither of them could pay. Now, which of them will love him more? So the Pharisee says here, I suppose, uh, can everyone just say, I suppose? Come on, what a cop out, right? It's a cop out from the beginning. I, I, I've done so much prison ministry and jail ministry 
And I ask them, and I go, so what happened? Did you do it? And they go, well, you know, I suppose, you know. But, you know, I mean, it was, you know, things are hard right now. So that's why you shot her in the face. Well, I was high too, and you didn't recognize it. This is actually a true story. <laughs> and, and, and it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. But I, I, and, and then I know that. I go, how long's your sentence? And I go, well, I'm, just, I'm only in for a year. And I go, hmm. I'd stay packed if I were you. I'd just I'd not stay packed. I'd recognize you're going to be here for a little while. Because it never fails. They, they get out. They go right back to where they go. And they go right back in. Two, three times. And isn't, you know, and parents will ask, you know, it's hard. My kid's in jail. I go, it's a good place for them to be. Safe for the society. Safer for them. You know, they, they, didn't hear, they heard your no and didn't, didn't hear it. Now they're hearing the whole society say no, right? And you're kind of just stuck there. And we all are in a kind of a prison, aren't we, with our sin? All of us. You don't have to be behind bars to be trapped. All kinds of sin traps us. And his his question, Jesus' question is so simple because he appears to save the sinners. That's why the little baby comes. When you see the little baby, don't think this baby just goes, I want to go see the earth. Look at the earth, look at the mountains. I wanted to see them. No, he comes to save the wicked. And those wicked are either over there or they're over here. It's one or the other. Jody was doing some prison ministry down at the Draper Penitentiary, and she was with a different faith, and she was listening to them talk, and the person talked, the man talked, and he goes, now, this is how it is. You got to be careful because we're out here. We're the good people. And in there are the bad people. And Jody goes, <laughs> I don't know what she said, but it was funny. I can't remember exactly. But it was basically like saying, no, no, trust me. We're also the bad people. Oh, she said, we're the bad people that didn't get caught. As she said. And uh, this is, you know, how you make friends in the prison system. Because <laughs> you know, I always invite you back. As a preacher friend of mine said, I don't preach to come back. <laughs> I just preach to preach. Think about this. I suppose, which one would love him more, Simon? The one who just got the 50? Because that's pretty much what you think, right? Well, you know. And, and I can tell when people are totally works oriented to get their religion done after they come to Christ, this is kind of what they're thinking. This has been my experience. I've been pastoring for 25 years. I, I, people will say this. They'll say, um, yeah, I got forgiven a few things. Thank you. Now I'll take care of what I was already taking care of now. And I'll keep it up. And then when I need your forgiveness, some faiths call it after all I can do, then come in and help me. It's in the Christian church. Probably more. My experience. Listen, if you think you only owe 50, I think you should get an accountant of your life. Invite more people in. I I guarantee you've either closed off the input that you haven't heard it. But I promise you it's more than that. Simon says, I suppose the one who loved him more who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, and can I tell you this? I don't care how much you know about God. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. 
I want you to say that this woman is not a theologian. She is not a reformer. She's not arguing about Calvinist, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, you know, textual criticism. All she's talking about is she's recognizing who Jesus Christ is. It's that simple. He turns to the woman and says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. Look at all the you did nots. I made them all green. You did not. You did not. But this woman did. He says, you didn't, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. Because when Jesus Christ comes to your house, he says, you did not give me any water from my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears. It's like, just think about it. She was so grateful. She, I think she really recognized the, just the truth of what her life was that she couldn't help but gush. And it, it had to land on his feet because... She couldn't stay stand up anymore. It was kind of like I see my whole life. Kaboom. I really think that's where natural praise is going to come from in the, in, the, in the time of glory. I know that's what I'm going to do. Is I'm just going to collapse before the Lord and can't believe it all happened. And, and seriously, and I know, I understand that he doesn't say there won't be any tears. He says he'll wipe away the tears. And I think there's an entry point there. He says, but she wet my feet with my tears and then wiped them with her hair. He goes, you didn't give me a kiss. And trust me, the Pharisees were ticked that she kissed him. They could not imagine him. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. I think of the love scriptures that are so powerful. It says, you got all this, you got knowledge, you got, you know, you're like a clanging symbol. You got all this stuff, but you don't have love. And he answers a couple ways. He says, then you gain nothing. Then you are nothing. If you don't have this love, then you have nothing. There's nothing there. That's what you're searching for. That's why Jesus came to save you and me, the sinners. This woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. That is my life. I have a few moments where I think I'm proud of what I've done. But there's few and far between. Because no matter how great they are, the overwhelming emotion responding to the gospel is gratefulness. It's that you, a sinner, have been forgiven. You did not put oil on my head, but she took the perfume put it on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. 
I think Christmas is the greatest time of year because it's the day Jesus says the sins, the many sins you've done, the many, think about how many relationships you've ruined or could have ruined if you experienced the grace of God. And then you see things change in your life. And how many have seen things change when you came to Christ? All of a sudden, you have a love that's real. All of a sudden, you get a depth of emotion and intimacy around you that blows you away. And it's because Jesus appeared on Christmas Day. It's not the day. We don't care when the day is. We just pick a day to celebrate. It's historically impossible to figure out exactly when the date is. And I know there's somebody in the back going, well, according to the Jewish calendar of the Roman calendar, when I cross-modulate the two, then I get find some love, brother, and tell me when you got it. Because <sighs> we're not going to build our theology around your stupid dates, no offense. And we're not going to argue about your crazy genealogy. And we're not going to fight each other over which end times picture is perfect. Because we're going to love one another and show that we're the disciples of Jesus. Because you want to know, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Love motivated it. Love was demonstrated with the gospel. That's why without love I gain nothing if I do not have love I am nothing. I gain nothing. I have nothing. Love. And then just simple. God is love. God is love. Listen. There it is right there. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Even in the Old Testament, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over what? Say it one more time. How many wrongs? All wrongs. It, covered to, it covers a bunch of sins, a multitude of sins. Love will beat it up. In fact, I've heard, I don't know if it's true. In fact, I do, but I'm just acting. I don't know if it's true, but I heard that love never fails. How many say amen? And that's why Jesus comes. Now, listen, here you get the summary. Most of you heard this. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. How many say amen? Okay. Do I hear another amen? Because this is the last two scriptures here. Last one more scripture. Thank you. Do you want to open your gift? It's Christmas. I, I know you've opened it before. Some of you, you go, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I've opened the gift. I want you to open it again. Just open it again. There it is. Jesus Christ, your gift. And I'll tell you what's inside. And I mentioned at the very beginning, it's a Christmas tree. And there it is. It's a tree. The law says, cursed is everyone who hung, hung on that tree. They get the full curse. Jesus got that. Now it's a tree that represents a gift. And the gift is the one that was on it, that paid it. It's Jesus Christ. Do I hear Amen. And then I want you to understand there's a gift at the bottom by Jesus that represents it and it represents your name. Eric has been saved by Jesus Christ. Eric has been saved. Eric Van Rie 
is saved by Jesus Christ. Eric Van Rie will be sanctified because of Jesus Christ. Eric will find abundant life because of Jesus Christ. Jesus appeared to save Eric the sinner, the wicked sinner. Eric, Jesus Christ came to save the world which Eric is a part of. And he got saved. How many say amen? Listen, here is the gift. The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Why don't you close your eyes and just respond to God? Uh, I want to just ask you, first of all, just, you know the Christmas season is here. And maybe you, like me, you just got a little ahead of yourself. You focused on so many things, even with your family. And there's something about it that it, just hearing the words of Christ, the Bible today, it stirred in your heart the desire to say, I want to refocus. How many, for, that's true. Just not, don't look at me. I'm not looking. Just raise your hand and say, Lord, I need to refocus. I need to have you at the center. I need to realize that this is the gift I need to focus on. You may think that your kids need the hula hoop and whatever the latest gadgets and gifts are. And they'll have fun with them. Some of them are good for at least eight hours, some 15 minutes. I'll put them down, it'll be in the corner. But I tell you, if you'll sit with them and tell them that their sins have been paid for, that the love you have in your family is because of God, you will breathe a new life into your family. And if you'll tell yourself, And just say, Lord, I receive the gift that you have. You might be struggling with a sin that has just killed you and destroyed you and trapped you. But you say, Lord, thank you that you have paid for that sin. I am no longer walking under the condemnation. Now, please deliver me, Lord. Deliver me and heal me. I cannot tell you how many things the Lord has delivered me from. But it's so many things. And he desires to give you abundant life, a pure heart, a clean mind, a pure conscience. It's something only God can do. You cannot do this on your own. You say, Lord, I open the gift of Jesus. You say, Lord, whatever fresh things you want to do in my life, I accept them. Just say it. Say, Lord, I receive your blessings and gifts in my life. I receive them. Work them throughout my heart and personality. Work them through and weave them into my relationships. And Lord, do this in those around me that I hang out with, that I care about. Touch them in those ways as well. And Lord, we submit our hearts to you and thank you for Christmas, Lord, and what it represents and what you've done. Lord, we all love toys and I'm not against them and I'm not against shopping. I think it's fun. But Lord, we want to keep our priorities straight. And that you are first. Does everyone say amen? Amen. Amen. God bless. How many received something from Jesus this morning? Okay, yeah, it's a good idea. Let's clap and thank him. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name, Lord. You are worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you in the new year.